I do want to address that people are seem to, to be some confusion between our voices, which I find impossible to believe. But that pissed me off actually. I I forgot where that comment <laughs> came from. It came up a couple times on Twitter. I was like, really? You know, <laughs> you know what else I've seen? I got pissed off at that because there's tweets that are that are going to you uh, that are clearly <laughs> addressed to me. Um, there, there's tweets like, oh, I liked your opinion on the blah, 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 what's a, what's a, who's it from that episode. Right. And you're like, okay, cool. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't your opinion at all. Um, you didn't enough. even talk about it. It was just something that I ranted on or something. And there's like a bunch of those. Really? And I'm starting to think people just don't know. Either, either we're having a case of like, this is a fight club where it's just one of us <laughs> in reality. <laughs> Or people can't tell us apart, which is odd because we don't have like the same voice at all. All right, you you introduce yourself. I'm Andre Butov from Ontario. I'm the guy with the slight Russian accent, and the uh, the other one is the not Andre, I'm not, not not the Andre. I'm not Andre. I'm the un Andre. <laughs> un Andre from uh, upstate New York with the upstate New York accent. This has been a frustrating week while you're out there dancing in Florida. Yeah, two weeks. Two weeks. We've been dumped on every two days with the snow. That's great. I don't know how I got this lucky to be away while it's like catastrophically snowing here. This was awesome. <laughs> it's terrible. And then because it's the beginning of the year and uh, corporate taxes are due a month ahead of yeah, I personal just taxes. That. It's the worst. Th- this means that the whole month or so is just dealing with bureaucratic bullshit from various companies. It's like that that thing that Jamie tweeted today that she was at a store or something and that employees were not allowed by policy to give out their email addresses. It wasn't a store. No, it wasn't a store. She's we have this little tiny office here in Poughkeepsie, which we're probably getting rid of, but right now we have this little office and some real estate management company took it over. And so like she's calling them. We're like paying them rent every month. And the woman on the phone was like, uh, I don't know if I can give out her email. I'm not allowed. That's her call. And if I can give out her email, like they won't give her email out this lady, whoever this lady is. Weird. Hate the service. The um, uh, HSBC. So you need your tax breakdowns. You need your statement stuff, right? To do the taxes, to do, um, to figure out where the um, write-offs are mm-hmm. and the categorization, all that stuff that my wife does. Well, you're, you're supposed to be doing that throughout the year, you know. <sighs> Just saying. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be in your camp of once a year, I would like spend three days just like going through every single thing. <laughs> but then we got these real accountants and they're kind on us and then Jamie just kind of took it over as her thing and she just does it every month and... No, no it's, not so, it's not so bad at the end of the year. It's just terrible. getting together a few things. So HSBC won't let me download more right. than a year's yes. worth of data. We used to hit that all the time. But they'd be happy to send me the statements at $5 a pop, <laughs> which clearly means they have the data like uh, readily they, available. They don't want to waste all that energy making a PDF for you. <laughs> Put a stamp on it and send it to you. PSENG doesn't allow me. This is the um, electrical company over here. Right. doesn't allow me to update my bank information. And I'm going back and forth through their Zendesk installation or whatever, and they're 
telling me, oh, it's a Safari issue. I'm like, I'm on Chrome. Uh, oh, it's a Chrome issue. I'm like, fuck you. I just use Firefox and get the same error message. Oh, you know what it is? It's um, It's because your due date is, you can't change your banking information 10 days before or three days after <laughs> your due date, which is clearly what that error message meant when it spit sure. out what was uh, a SQL server error message at me. <laughs> of course, that's what it meant. 10 days before, three days after, I'm not allowed to update my bank information. These are like multi-billion dollar companies that are doing this to me. The insurance company is sending me everything to health insurance company, New York State mm-hmm. now. Yep. You switched, you switched to New York State. I did, yeah. Send me three everything in triplicate. We have nine insurance cards between the three of us. <laughs> Triple the coverage. Yeah. A whole bunch of, like, all this stuff. Like, you, could, you could definitely understand why some customers email you with, like, a pissy attitude just from the start. Because this is what they go through when they need to talk to anybody. Um who provides them with any kind of a service throughout the whole year. Yeah. And then they buy some software from you or they're not really in the same headspace as you or whatever. And then, or they're really a B2C transaction type of a customer and they'll just email you right away with like this purely defensive stance. Yeah. This, I don't know. I don't have any advice for you on any of that. All right. Um, Did you get the insurance stuff straight? Like it's a, in general, has it been an okay process? Kind of curious on that. Well, we used it once, and the one thing that I needed it for, I didn't cover it. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. But it is four whole dollars cheaper than the previous insurance that was good. Nice. Well, then why'd you switch? Um, I don't remember. Oh, because the previous insurance was cutting us off. Uh, so you the Obamacare stuff, you know. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, keep us in the loop on... No. How it goes. The hell? <laughs> Bad enough that I have to talk about it in one episode. <laughs> um, all right. So, all right. So, I've been gone for two weeks. Went on vacation. Mm-hmm. Everything was fine. The, the first week was spectacular, like 84. Awesome. Second week, a little rainy. Uh, it, but, you know, it was still in the high 60s to high 70s. So, yeah, still better than three feet of snow as you got here. Three. And uh, what else? Uh, that's pretty much it. We uh, next week, this week, I always, I almost considered staying another week. It's gonna be like all eighties all week, but I had to get back. The kids did good on their first time on the airplane. Nobody completely imploded. <laughs> that good. was good. My oldest son was like, he wanted to know after we landed, he wanted to know why the plane stopped apparently in midair to pick up more people. <laughs> oh, is he sleeping? No, he wasn't sleeping. He was like so enthralled in the iPad that like, oh. like, he just didn't have any idea what was going on. And I'm like trying to tell them to like look at the clouds. Like, isn't it amazing? We're in this tin can flying above the clouds. But he was playing Flappy Bird. Yeah, he was playing Flappy Bird, and he was like, "No, nah, man, whatever." It's like, yeah, that's clouds. I've seen them before. <laughs> Nobody was that excited about it. I still, I still get a kick out of it. Actually, yeah. I don't know. I've been on a plane exactly once. Really? I was just about to ask you that. When the, uh, when I was seven. How how have you gone your whole life only being on a plane? I once? haven't been west of Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're like a true immigrant story. It's like the, the boat <laughs> dropped you off there, and that's it. Like you never left the four block right. radius. I live under the docks. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you live in. You know, you moved to your part of town, and now you're just there. That's it. Like you don't you don't leave. We went all the way. We went the other way. We went east, and it's still further than any of our family members has, have ever I've gone never through gone multiple there. generations. Yeah, I guess. That's how, you know, eventually everybody spreads out across the country, but we're uh, first generation, so yeah, this is good. This is uh, ambitious already. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> 20 <laughs> minutes out. Oh, my goodness. Well, and you've been as far north as, I guess, my house, right? Poughkeepsie. So. Yeah, right next door to uh, where the elves make the wooden toys. That's right. <laughs> All right. So I was in Disney. Uh, I, I have some quasi interesting stories, but probably the most interesting story is you like get these wristbands now that they use to track you everywhere, and it's like one of those radio frequency ID kind of things. Mm-hmm. So like it's kind of like I you know if you don't mind giving up all your privacy as they track you around everywhere, uh, it's kind of cool because like I didn't have to carry my wallet the entire time. Like oh, that's everything cool. you can just pay for with this thing, and you don't have to bring money or wallet or anything. I thought it was just for children getting lost. Now, see, now this is interesting. It should be for children getting lost, but I didn't see anything about that. Like, to me, that seems like the most obvious like, use case at some place like Disney. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to track your kid everywhere, so don't worry. But maybe they don't even want to say we're tracking you everywhere, so they don't want to like, <laughs> mention that. I don't know. But they didn't, no, in nowhere does it say that when I feel like it really should say that everywhere. But I, I mean, I wouldn't mind that. That's, that's convenience, probably worth the hassle or the. Yeah. Thing. But I mean, there's obviously people on the other side of this opinion that right. are like, no, <laughs> I want a chip in my arm. Track me everywhere. Um, 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 what else is going on? So you seemed a little, like you were getting a little edgy while I was gone. A couple of tweets there. No, there's just a couple of things. Going on. Um, um, got my hotel room for Laracon. Good. I was, I was debating there. Now you're whether... spending at least two nights, right? One night. <clears throat> one night. You need two nights. Why? You got the fifteenth and the sixteenth, right? Yeah, that's two nights. What? What? What night? What second night am I spending there? The first one or the the tail one? Oh, the tail one. Why? You, you got to spend the first one because the after the after party, whatever it is, from five to eight, whatever eight eight to ten ten to twelve. What what difference does it make if it stops at ten o'clock? I mean, two o'clock in the morning. I can still just go home. No, you got to stay. For what? <laughs> to sleep off the the, the drunken stupor? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, wow. You just should stay. Maybe we'll we'll catch breakfast on Saturday. You can hang out with the crew. Uh, hold on a second. <laughs> what the hell is that? Oh, I might have scared him off. I just blew his mind. He should stay for two days, right? All right, he's back. No, I was talking in there. What were you doing? I was talking. To whom? To yourself? The audience. What were you saying about me? I'll know. (laughs) Don't worry about what I was saying. Um, Sounded like you were getting angry, like there was loud noises and things being thrown. There was nothing being thrown. That's what it sounded like. There was a door closing Mm -hmm. to my office. With, All right. with anger. <laughs> I angered it closed. You have to go get the dog or something? No, it's just people making noise. 
They're not like nice. Um, so yeah, no, for one night is fine. I don't, I don't like that hotel stuff in Manhattan for two hundred thirty dollars. That's actually a discounted rate type of a thing. Yeah, that's pretty cheap. We got a good rate on that. Uh, whatever. I've spent like six hundred dollars at times. You're crazy. It's a room with a bed. Can I just sleep in my car? I'll just drive in and sleep in my car. I don't think they'll let you do that. You just sleep on the street. It'll be May. It'll be all right. Um, yes, yeah, so looking forward to that. Everybody I know on Twitter is coming to meet me. I know. You're a big attraction. <laughs> you should really be speaking. We, you should have agreed to speak. Nobody asked me to speak. Yeah, but you didn't, I didn't, uh, submit, you anything. didn't submit anything. What would I submit? I know nothing about anything. Listen, not everybody's doing a Laravel talk, you know. People who are knowledgeable about Laravel are doing Laravel talks. I know nothing. Yeah, but it's not all Laravel talks. The J- John Rezik there, you saw that? He's jQuery guy. He's coming. He's talking about comics. Oh, yeah, he needs things. John Rezik could show up and read the phone book. And <laughs> There's other people talking about other things. It's not all, uh, <laughs> not all Laravel. Oh, talking about talks. We're way off topic. I don't care. Uh, we haven't been on topic in like ten episodes. Ah, this this is this is a p- bootstrapping podcast in name only now. Uh, <laughs> um, I found my doppelganger, which is a really weird experience. You know what doppelganger is? You yeah, know what a doppelganger. Yeah, you want to explain it for the audience or no? Or I they, don't know if I know the official definition. They should be. They should be. So there's people who look like you, right? Yeah. Uh, because you know there's some combinations or genes or whatever that make people who look like other people in the world because there's a lot of fucking people in the world. Um, But there's like this notion of doppelganger, which is like essentially the bizarre world you. Like almost a clone, right? And they're supposed to be... Hold on, hold on. Here it is. In fiction and folklore, doppelganger uh, is a paranormal double of a living person. Yeah, okay. So this is. It, this it also is, describes the sensation of having <laughs> glimpsed oneself in one's own peripheral vision with no chance of the supposed phenomenon having been a reflection. Huh, no, I've never heard of that um, description. You're done. Now, a doppelganger is often perceived as a sinister form of bilocation and is regarded by some as a harbinger of bad Can we stop reading on the show, please? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just um okay. you know, there's people who kinda look like you. Right. And uh but but this guy mm. is somebody who it's really weird. Uh, <clears throat> so I was watching Steam Dev Days, which is uh a Steam Dev Days, I guess a meetup conference hosted by Valve mm-hmm. um for developers who are on Steam. And uh so <clears throat> um this guy that everybody knows that I haven't um, named Ryan Gordon, who's giving this talk, uh, two talks at the Steam Dev Days. And I bu- found a bunch of talks uh, that he did before. And this guy looks exactly like me. Like it's, like it's, like it's freaky. Um, like I sent this to my wife and she was like going like back and forth between the picture and, <laughs> and my face. It is, uh, and in one of the talks, he's wearing like the exact same outfit that I have, like this Batman shirt and a, a plaid shirt over it. <laughs> And I have the exact same combination that I wear all the time. And it's like, it's one of those sensations that are like eerie. Um, and then I, I looked up uh, like his stuff and he's like on, he's like um, the antithesis of me in some ways. Like he's, he, he looks exactly like me, uh, but his life is sort of parallel and sort of completely the opposite. 
He's been on planes. He's the more successful version of me. <laughs> Wait, so maybe you're the evil doppelganger? Is I, that mean, I, I gotta be the evil one. <laughs> right, um, so, so he's he's uh he started off at like Loki, which were uh which was a company porting um AAA games to Linux uh mm-hmm. years ago. So, That's you know, uh, the uh big big game companies they write everything for Windows or consoles or whatever, and they don't usually pay full time developers who to port the stuff to Linux or a Mac because there's a smaller market, it's not worth the salaries. Yeah. So they outsource this stuff. So so one of these companies was Loki and he was he was uh, working there and then when they shut down he became the sort of de facto industry guy to call when you need to port your stuff to Linux and Mac. Right. So he's mm. been doing he's been doing and it's like Google Earth and uh, EA games and and Valve games and like these really, really you know, AAA titles and stuff. And they call him to port the stuff over. So for 15 years, he's been doing that as a freelancer. He's like really, 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 really smart. But because you could really get that smart when you like specialize in such a tight thing for that long, yeah. which is like complete opposite of me where I'm like <laughs> so spread out thin across the technology world. I'm like all over the place. And I get shit done here and shit done there and shit done here. But like the, the depth of knowledge that this guy has in that one field is like impressive. Plus he's like the founding member of some acting group in North Carolina, <laughs> I think. And I had my acting stint back in the day. You did. I did. So we're not going to go into that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's like these, these parallels between us, but you know, all of it started because the guy looks like identical to me, which is really odd. I had to shave my beard. Because <laughs> he looks exactly identity. like me, and I had to shave my beard. Now I look like I'm 12 again, but at least I don't look like him anymore. Um, so it's really weird. So <clears throat> I guess we'll post a picture or something. On yeah, he doesn't yeah. look like me the way my Twitter avatar looks, but he looks like me in real life. We should uh, we should make that the new like cover shot of our podcast. What him doing the yeah. presentation in the yeah, Batman shirt? It'd be kind of funny if it was him and like we find somebody who looks like me, <laughs> and we just have our doppelgangers be the representatives of Bootstrapped. Uh, anyway, it was freaky. Um, all right, what do you got? You got anything useful? <sighs> well, I want to know what you were freaking out about. You were freaking out about buying an HTTP certificate, SSL certificate. I You're was freaking out. Yeah, some some you're trying to decide if it's worth buying or something no i just said that um you know you have a bunch of products out right and you buy an ssl certificate for a year yeah because you don't know how the product is going to do and we have like 20 products all over the place so Mm -hmm. i always have the ssl certificate expiration date as my sort of day to reevaluate the product so if it's not making any money that's like a natural uh point in time where the SSL certificate comes in for renewal to say this thing is not doing anything, so I'm just going to drop it. So it's so what like, you decide. It's not doing anything in particular. I'm just it was like a bunch of my <laughs> bunch of my. Apps. No, it wasn't like something that actually came up for you at that moment. It did, but I renewed all of them. But but <laughs> it's always an evaluation. So you it's didn't sort of give like your uh, six month um, uh, dental cleaning. You know, certain things have to be pinged. While you're on the topic, so that's like one of them. So you haven't canned anything yet. I haven't canned anything, no. 
So why don't you do an update? We haven't had an update in a long time. Yeah. Actual product stuff. Bootstrap yeah, product stuff. stuff. Um, I got so, some other non-product <clears throat> stuff, but let's con- do some product stuff first. I converted everything to Stripe. Okay. Finally. I've been cursing Stripe lately. Stripe's starting to get on my bad side. Really? A lot of weird stuff goes on in there. A lot of settings change magically and oddly. You you um you use the uh, SaaS stuff on there, right? Like the subscription manager, mm-hmm. you mean? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't. I don't know? No. I you, I do for Uberdeck, but <clears throat> you just hold the key or whatever and then charge it yourself? Yeah. Yeah, that might be the better way to go. Their stuff is really weird. If I had to do it all over again, I'd definitely use one of those services. I think I said that on here before. But I think from what I read, read or heard from other podcasts, also that that mentioned Stripe, the people kind of do that too. They just store the token. Yeah, they do everything else themselves. Maybe we should have done. You're not, that. You're not really saving anything. I mean, it's not. It's like a database table. Yeah, it's like a day of work. I don't know why we thought it would be less work, but it's been way more work. It's been way more work. Um, but now I have to wait like years until people naturally get off of authorize and, and then once the last customer gets off of authorize, <laughs> I have to wait three more months <laughs> for the refund window. You have to be able to like move them over or something. Not there. worth it. The second you, um, yeah, I guess nobody's ever going to give you a dump of their credit cards or anything. So yeah, there's not really, no, but nobody talks about this in SAS. Like, like the second you, don't shake the tree. Yeah, it's a lot of locking. You shake the tree, you, it's gonna be there's gonna be pain. It's not gonna be worth <laughs> it. <laughs> Don't shake the sass tree. If you're gonna have, <laughs> that should be a talk. Somebody give a talk with that title. You, you have people who are perfectly happy using your stuff until you remind them that they're using your stuff, and then they reevaluate their lives. Right, that's true. There's actually I I got through most of it. I haven't gotten to all of it. Yeah, I was listening to Jason Freed on. Uh, and the talk show with John Gruber there. And they were, at one point, this kind of thing came up with, basically they were talking about why they kept uh, Basecamp classic. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in so many words, you know, he was basically saying that, that like, yeah, obviously no, you're going to yeah. make a lot of enemies and, and or just people, you know, are like, uh, we weren't using it anyway, or we weren't using it that much, or we kind of use this other thing and Basecamp, so we'll just ditch that. So... Right. There's nothing evil about this. This is just stupid. Yeah. It, they, they, this is the equivalent of every month uh, uh, when you send the, the invoice over and you say we charged you whatever, whatever. Have a big ass paragraph in the beginning saying, "Are you sure you want to use this? Maybe you want to use something else." <laughs> Please reevaluate us because if you're not really, really, really sure you want to use this, just cancel it right now. Here's a big ass red cancel button. This that's the equivalent. You're going to go back to. Thousands of customers, and you're going to say, you know what? You've been happy with us, and you've been paying us for four years, but we have this internal thing going on, so if you don't mind like heading over here to your control panel, use the password that you created four years ago that you should really remember, All right. <laughs> and uh, just dump your credit card data into this what field about again this? for no reason. I got an idea. I'll maybe. give you 5% off. I got an idea. Yeah. And maybe you're already doing this, and that was part of your switch, but- it would seem like as the credit cards expire, you should be able to roll people to the new setup. Yeah, that's, so, that's already in. Yeah, so like basically in probably two or three years, you'll be able to. to yeah, well, it. that's what I mean. It's going to take three so, years. For well, that. I didn't know how you were doing it. <laughs> if that makes sense. I didn't yeah. know if it was only new people or or you were. Yeah, rolling both them. new people and card expirations, but it's still naturally going to take years to to yeah. head over, and then you got to give the three month window for refunds. 
Yeah, I gotta. I still haven't canceled my Wells Fargo. I like. I just can't build up steam to actually call them because you know, you just know it's going to be horrible. <laughs> There's not going to be anything good about it. So, yeah, kind of delaying. Um, do, 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 right, so that wasn't much of an update. What, what else is going on? Have you um, done anything on Quint too? What about Uber Deck? What about? No, I'm, I'm doing a lot of <clears throat> a lot of client work. So I. I'm kind of hesitant to talk about client work on a bootstrapping podcast because it's always going to be like we started this podcast with both of us doing product stuff. And then in 2014, I'm like really heavy on client, on freelancing stuff. Okay. So we signed up a big client on the financial market stuff, Wall Street stuff. For what? Um, or what are you doing? It's like an internal deployment app custom thing. Web or mobile? Mobile. Okay. Yeah, we're doing mobile. Well, yeah, I know. I figured it was mobile, but I didn't know for sure. Your definition leaves a little something to be desired there. It's really weird how the, you know, the the universe, I was talking about this with my wife. Um, you decide at one point that, you know, we're going to do consulting this year. We're going to really concentrate on consulting, see, if, see what we could establish ourselves as, uh, you know, in the, in the services space. As a mobile developer. And you don't really talk about it and you don't really have time to do anything about it. You don't update the website. You don't, you don't, you don't officially switch anything over. You don't email your customers. You don't, you know, you mention it in a podcast, like in passing once. Um, and then the universe shifts and you, you sign up like four clients in three weeks yeah. out of the blue. Like, like, where were these people? Like, would they show up if I hadn't mentally decided that we're going to do consulting work? You know, it's like uh, everything is aligning themselves. My my wife, my wife uh, keeps saying that we're sort of uh, whoever's running the matrix has us uh, <laughs> uh, p- paged in at the moment. That every everything seems to be clicking. Well, we've been talking about this forever that you should be focusing more on this consulting. So I think it's good you've made the mental switch. It's yeah. so big right now. It's so there's so much demand. It's like crazy to build up this much demand on a mobile app is basically impossible. And meanwhile, people are like just throwing money at anybody who's ever said they might have thought about doing a mobile app. <laughs> and here you have all this experience with it. Like I was mentioning on a, on a newsletter. I guess I'll talk about the newsletter later. That I, I was going to. Um, the the meeting with the client I was going to Midtown on a train mm-hmm. and that's like I'm in the mobile space and while I'm sitting on the train everybody around me is playing Flappy Bird <laughs> and that's like also in the mobile space and a completely different universes I know I gotta tell you something because I just looked this up while you were saying that because I was like huh there was supposed to be a mobile developer weekly number two which is your uh, your newsletter. There is. Well, it went to spam. Oh my goodness! So you better check your your uh, mobiledeveloperweekly.com uh, you know email records there and make sure. I bet you it's something with a uh, we call that thing campaign <sighs> monitor. No, uh, yeah, but it's like you got to put in the uh, was it the SPF records and maybe you got something what? wrong there. And you got to put the SPF records in the. In your DNS setup, or else all of it, a lot of it's going to go to spam. My DNS setup that's email is leaving campaign monitor servers, and because there's a reply to address or some thing that I created, my right. DNS records have to reflect that. 
right. reply to address? No, your DNS records have to reflect that you're saying it's okay for a campaign monitor to send email as that address. Oh. Yeah, just like a SPF record. That's what you got. It's like a text. It's a text record that goes in your uh, to look it up. DNS setting. In, in Campaign Monitor, there's a place where they give you what to put in there. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> you'll want to do that because cool. otherwise, this, I mean, it doesn't, you know, you have a lot of text in there. I would think it wouldn't hit spam filters yeah. generally. So uh, I think you got hosed. Yeah. It's, so, yeah, if you're a mobile developer, mobiledeveloperweekly.com. This is my token newsletter. Everybody has a newsletter. This is mine. I like it. It's good. As long as you found it in the spam folder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> check, their, check their spam folder for episode, for uh, what's it called? Number two. And issue. Their issues. Issue, yeah, that's it. Um, stupid Columbia. Columbia sends me requests for money every quarter. Uh, the Columbia? university. Oh. Um, they're like they're they're like literally the largest real estate owner in New York, and they're sending me well top three next to McDonald's and the Catholic Church. But they they're sending me requests for money, and I'm like, am I poor enough to tell them I'm poor? I don't know what Columbia thinks is poor, but you know, people graduating from Columbia are supposed to be far more successful than I am. Oh, stop it! Uh, they they're don't sending send me. Don't send them any money. I don't send them money. They send me whole pamphlets that are like professionally created magazines with glossy paper. That means they're high shit, glossy paper magazines that um, outline how successful their alumni are. I don't know what that, how that's supposed to make me feel. <laughs> and then there's an envelope in there. Please give us money so we could buy another building. These colleges are getting serious. My, uh, so where me and Jamie went to school, like it, they know that we are married and that we went to school together. And that apparently we met, it's, even though we met in high school, so it was even before college. But And they send us stuff always addressed to like us as a couple and that we were both couples. And they just sent us a Valentine's Day email about how it's great we were both, you know, at Marist <laughs> together and now we're married. And You got to figure out what they're that. using for their marketing tracking. Oh, they got some crazy <laughs> thing going on there. They're over there on HubSpot. Yeah, something. Um. All right, so you're so you're not going to give us any product updates. Uh, so nightstand was out, and uh, nightstand went out, and a bunch of client work went out. I literally had like three hours of my own product work. Uh, two months of just consulting, freelancing stuff. All right, so now here's the next question. So are you going to hire somebody, or what's going on? Here? No. Well, what about like a helper, a contract no. helper? No. No. I'm going to mooch as much money as I can because it's going <laughs> to dry out in a month and a half because that's I how this works. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You know about the Al Bundy episode? How many of our audience is like old enough? Al Bundy. Yeah, anyway. they, know, they know Bundy. Bundy is a classic. Married with Children episode where, uh, you know, the life shits I'm, on I'm, him. I'm that, living Bundy right now. I am Bundy. Yeah, right. He only so, had two kids. I had three. Uh-huh. He makes $17,000 a year. <laughs> Yeah, but that was in 1980, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, sure, inflation. <laughs> um, <laughs> so life shits on him. And then there was one episode where he started getting good luck. And he kept getting good luck. And he kept I being more and more miserable. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like people are asking him, why, why are you so miserable? Why are you even more miserable the more luck you get? And it's like, the second I acknowledge this, <laughs> the universe is going to have like such a 
big ass ball of retaliation against me to equal things <laughs> out. <laughs> that I'm better off just being miserable and not acknowledging this good luck. <laughs> like as long as there's client work, I'm happy doing client work, and you know because I get to do tech that I haven't. Like I just did the project for uh, Gerald. He does a MapWorks. Um, the only guy I know of who sold a, a, a fleet tracking system. Uh, <laughs> I built one. I think uh, DNL and Carl built one. You know, years back, yeah. and uh, it's sitting on a shelf, right? And, and and this guy managed to build a fleet tracking system and actually sell it. That's a pretty big app, though. Yeah, well, he has the server side, and I did the Android um, mm. client for him, and I got to work on stuff like like WebSockets inside of mobile apps. Nobody does WebSockets inside of mobile apps, but I got to figure out how to you know keep that thing alive. And uh, I would never have done that for my own app. So it's okay. like it expands your sort of tech tree. I mean, you're you're the perfect consultant because like you hate working on any one thing too long, and you like being in all these different technologies. Yeah, yeah it's perfect for you. But then I get I, I don't get to be like my my cool ass double ganger there. <laughs> well, there's plenty of uh, super famous consultants out there. I don't want to be super famous. I want to be super smart. Well, you could be super smart and just. You could just read Shakespeare all day or something. No, that would that would make me super pretentious. <laughs> I want to be super smart and humble, humble and smart. Humble that's, and that's smart. A, that's a token. That, that's. Um, Here's what pisses me off. Go ahead. Never. And we we might have even talked about this on here before too, <clears throat> but never ever 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 in the history of the world have I gone to Netflix. And anything I want to watch beyond. Yes, that. we talked about this. But now no the Breaking Bad is on there now. I just went and searched Married with Children. Married with Children. It's a million years old. Netflix. <laughs> all all Netflix has is TV shows now, right? No more movies. There's no movies on Netflix. Fine. We're only wanting TV shows for binge watching. Great. Married with Children. What what could be better for binge watching than Married with Children? <laughs> they don't have it. I bought the DVDs a long time ago. <laughs> DVD. I don't have a DVD player. Well, the ripped them. I don't have a DVD player. Rip them. Oh, you I don't got, have a. You can't even record it. Cause you well, I got it. a. Th- I got a DVD player. I can hook into the computer somewhere, but that's bogus. I'm sure you could buy them on iTunes. Yeah, I can buy them on iTunes, but iTunes is like thirty dollars a season. <laughs> I mean, I like Married with Children, but I don't think I like it. You know, it's four hundred dollars worth. I'm already paying Netflix ten dollars a month for this crap that they don't give me. But I do like House of Cards. You watch House of Cards? No, I haven't watched anything. Uh, House of Cards is pretty good. It's a little, it's a little, it's not as good as like Breaking Bad, but it, it's good. I love Kevin Spacey though. So. I don't know how you get get time to watch anything. I don't anymore. It, so <clears throat> part of my uh, vacation, right, was I, I made this break. It's like I need, you know, because I was just in that like thing where you like you work constantly. Like I was up like all night working. I'm like staying up late working, or if I'm not working, I'm just like trying to relax from working so i'm like staying up late just doing nothing but you know just random watching random crap on television i don't need to watch or whatever i was just like getting exhausted so on vacation like we were in bed early every night so i'm trying to keep with the going to bed early which does impact my binge watching time severely and uh but then i also was like a chance to clean slate so like i cleaned out my twitter i've been tweeting about that where like i just dropped a whole bunch of people i was following so much nicer. Like now I go on Twitter and you know, there's like five updates and that's it. And I just read them and, and that's it. It's real quick. Not like hundreds like there were before. And uh, 
I, uh, I cleaned up my Mac. I got rid of a lot of stuff, organized a lot of things. I moved to Evernote. You ever mm-hmm. use Evernote? Yeah, I use it. I like the Evernote. I really like it a lot. Um, so I got like everything in Evernote. I've replaced like eight apps with Evernote. It's kind of crazy, actually. But so far, it's working. We'll see if it holds up long term. But I have a new, uh, new sense of uh, calm about me. Evernote actually, Evernote actually inspired me on the tech side a little bit. For Quinto, um, I'm leaning towards not having a, a web front end at all and uh, instead doing uh, the two mobile natives mm-hmm. and doing uh, a Mac and Windows um, native with Qt. Mm. I like that idea. Well, for, they do have a Windows, but I don't know if they always did. Uh, uh, not Windows, a uh, web. Web, yeah. But yeah, um, I, I don't know. I never use it. Yeah, I never. I just saw it once. But I do think that that's definitely the not primary way to use it, <clears throat> and uh, it might be new. I don't know. I'm I'm new to it. I, I used it once, like when it first came out, and I was like, that's eh, stupid. But now, like with the thing that goes in Chrome that lets you like clip articles and mm-hmm. Skitch is all integrated nice and the way it all works together, it's really good. They did a good job. I don't know why people shit on them sometimes, but I, I think as far as you know, software all across so many platforms and so like native looking or feeling or whatever and convenient with the browser plugins and stuff, I think they did a good job. It's certainly a massive effort. I don't know how many oh, yeah. developers they have over there, but that's a lot of work. To do I think that. they do have a number, quite a few developers, but... Yeah, there's a ton of work. But yeah, I like that idea because <clears throat> I was just tweeting about this today. I freaking hate, like, I'm starting to hate the internet. You know, like, I'm starting to hate the browser. Like, this guy, and, I mean, it's a guy who follows me on Twitter and it's fine. Like, I wrote, so I wrote this article on, uh, on how I cleaned up my, my Twitter account. Mm-hmm. And, you know, anytime you write anything on the internet now, the first comment you get will always be, always, that doesn't look right in mobile. That something's <laughs> funky. There's a little line, and it's 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 jarring their experience. You know, there's something's a little shifted to the right, just a little bit. It's not perfect. Like the people who read on mobile are insatiable. Meanwhile, they go to like these crap sites like Reddit with shit everywhere, or they're on TMZ with you know eight thousand ads. But when they want to read your blog post, if it's not hundred percent perfectly aligned and functional, <laughs> then people freak out and they're like, "Well, it's all wrong on mobile." I hate the mobile. Hate it. <laughs> and then the responsive stuff. I think it just makes everything worse. Like I, I, I just like the here's the full website. Your phone is fast now. Zoom in on the parts you want to see. There you go. Yeah, responsive I don't like stuff. It's like a whole other app. Yeah. You're already building an app. Like it's, two apps. it's worse because it's like it's a whole other app logically, but physically or physically, whatever. It's yeah. still just the same CSS file or whatever. Ah, um, did you see this Groupon thing? With the $10? Yes. I, I, I literally only saw a headline. So They what? have to double the salary of whoever does marketing over there. Because <laughs> whatever, whatever you think about Groupon is beside the point. But like... Right. Uh, President's Day, right? So the Groupon goes, we're going to give a $10 bill discount um, to uh, honor Alexander Hamilton, uh, one of our greatest presidents and the person who revolutionized the financial industry. Um, So Hamilton was never president. And uh, whoever does marketing over there knows that there is nobody vocal 
on the internet, like people who think they know better and want to point out how stupid somebody else is. Right. Like, there's no <laughs> more vocal of a person than that. <laughs> so Twitter blew up. Oh, look at the stupid Groupon. They right. know nothing. And uh, CNN is like, oh, look at the stupid Groupon. They're making mistakes. And like every news agency, oh, look at the stupid Groupon at Groupon.com. They know nothing. So then somebody is like, oh, you know, they're obviously doing this as a promotional, like tongue-in-cheek type of a thing. Right. Um, and then Groupon tweeted back like, joke? We would never joke about saving $10. <laughs> and then this continued. And like, oh, it's a ploy. Groupon is doing a ploy. And Groupon is tweeting back like, we're shocked by this implication. Shocked. <laughs> and like, this is just wonderful. This is just like whoever's over there is like, you know, people want to prove that they're right. And they they just going to shout louder than all of the internet to prove that they're right and how, point out how stupid somebody else is. And as long as our name and the URL shows up, we'll just get 100 times the traffic from whatever. That really is all that matters. So. That's amazing. That's like, <clears throat> and then they've been so out of it so long too, you know, like nobody talks about Groupon anymore since they've kind of collapsed. Yeah. That's going to be kind of cool to like market on that level, you know, where you're like, where you could actually have that level of a wave of something happen. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like if you did that with like, if I did it with like Snappy, people would just be like, guys, oh, stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they would just read it and think it, but then they're not going to like go call CNN and be like, look at this stupid guy. <laughs> yeah. No, you got to be at a certain size, but it's true that they disappeared for a while and then just came back like yeah. you know, in a wave because of, this is pure marketing. That's good stuff. It's wonderful. I mean, I hate marketing, but this is just smart. It's smart. beautiful when you see something well executed like that. Um, so what do you think about this Flappy Birds thing? Give, me, give us your... So the Flappy Birds kind of happened while I was away. Like, it's kind of crazy. I don't know if a lot of our listeners follow the Flappy Birds, but, you know, it's been everywhere. But. Oh, my God. It's like everywhere. It's like on, you know, nightly news. Not the Flappy Birds itself, but just like the whole... Flappy Birds, you know, sometimes we get this... Um, political story that you know some, somebody's exposed for having done something in the political world yeah. and then that thing like it's sort of a, whatever and then it, sometimes it you pull the thread and it sort of like unravels into this this zone of nastiness and like all of these things is are revealed and like like all of this underground stuff is revealed about yeah. the politician or whatever um so the whole flappy bird story so, you know, even if it doesn't, have, you're not even talking about Flappy Bird as a product. It's sort of, as it dragged out, and it's only been like two weeks, but as it's been dragging out in all of its phases, is just slowly revealing all the toxic bullshit of like the mobile market and like no. everything that's bad about the mobile market is being revealed. <laughs> so you start off with the this Flappy Bird thing, which is something that like I I. I'm like the worst web the game developer in the world. Like I, I'm a hack and I could put this together in like a day and a half. Right. <laughs> so, so this thing is up on a, on a store and you know, there's people talking about that. It's probably bots. Uh, uh, he probably paid for bots uh, right. to, to generate the reviews because you read some of these reviews and their reviews, uh, their negative reviews as they're written, but they're five star Rankings. Uh, so 
the app store is ranking things on this on the rankings and number of downloads and uh, not on actual content of yeah, yeah, what's yeah. being written in the review. So this thing shut up and it's staying up there and he's pulling like 50 grand a day in ads. Um, but then it sounded like that the fake stuff didn't really help him. When the, there was a guy who had an article. With right, there's an, there's an article that we'll post that actually did a good numerical analysis of all of this stuff. Like he, he, you know, scraped or whatever, brought data down from the app store and he, like, he did an analysis of how much influence the various uh, ranking submissions did to the position of the app and all that. Yeah. And, uh, but Which you know, kind of interesting just in and of itself, really. Yeah. So, so now you're revealing, now you're revealing a couple of things in the beginning. You're revealing that, that people in that market will, people in the mobile market are, Really playing like cheap games. Like there's yeah. no there's no taste in and like this is true especially if you go for like the free charts in the Android store. It's mm. it's just it's just depressing. Like what kind of what kind of games people are what kind of things people are calling games. And so so you have that which is not that big of a deal. But you know, all the developers are. Well, all of these things the developers are aware of, but the Flappy Bird thing kind of exposed it to, to more than just developers. Right. So then you have the thing about, yes, maybe there are people, yes, there are people paying for uh, bot reviews and submissions and stuff like that, right? Right. And um, then you have this guy posting that, that video about the Facebook uh, thing with the Facebook uh, uh, paid ads being essentially as worthless as the the stuff that you would pay like um, unofficial companies to to raise your uh, ad rates uh, mm. to raise your ad clicks. Have you seen that video? I think I heard something about it that the fa- about the Facebook ads. But it's, it's over on our forums. You can go take a look. So so basically, there's there's uh, you know you could you could generate fake clicks through like there's entire industries in like third world nations or even not third world entries like. Egypt even or whatever that they will um, entire companies that will just you could pay them to basically click on your ads to give you more likes on Facebook mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. so so you know the mobile market has the sort of mirror to that also that you could pay companies to sort of submit reviews or whatever of your app and rankings so you stay yeah. up on the charts so then that aspect of it is going to be is, is being revealed and then you get behind you, you get uh, beyond that and now the guy's being hounded by uh, the press and whatever because now it's questionable as to whether he did it uh, in a valid way or whether there's some you know shenanigans going on about why he's staying up there with with uh, you know like suspicious uh, reviews or whatever. And so, and he's he's probably not. A, I mean, he's probably at fault in as much as you know he's experimenting with marketing tactics or whatever. But but then it kind of exploded in his face, and now he can't handle it. So now he's going to say, you know what? I'm pulling this thing from the market because you are interfered with my simple life, whatever he, the quote was that he did on Twitter. Yeah, um, so he pulled it down. So he pulled it down. But now you get to, you know, his mistake is that he thinks that the people who are his customers give a shit about what he feels. Yeah. Well, I mean, nobody's even going to know what he feels, right? Like, there's now, like, a bajillion customers, and, like, only us dorks, like, know about him on Twitter, and nobody else in the whole world knows, like, in that regard. Do you know what I mean? So then you got 
your 50 million people who are using uh, who who are using your app who are um, pissed off at you. So now they fall into two camps. 100% of them don't give a shit about you as a developer. Right. <laughs> 50% of them will go off and they will download anything remotely related to your app because now they're obsessed with birds and flapping birds. And all kinds <laughs> That's of what I never understand is why are people downloading all these things that are not flappy birds? <laughs> well, and then that became, that became evident because the second he pulled it, right. four various der- derivatives of flappy, flappy unicorn and flappy whale right. and flappy whatever, they all hit the top charts. It's crazy. Out of the blue, right? They went up. So now you got cloning that went out into the, the light and you got um, um, internet hatred of game developers, which we talked about with Gavin, I don't think on air, but we talked about that after the episode aired, about how game developers are really getting shit from game players in a lot of instances. Like a lot of them who are disappearing from the internet, like self, uh, self um, ex- exclusion is the word. Like yeah. they decide to like get rid of their online personas because they're getting like death threats and shit. Right. Uh, so, so you get, you get, but it's just like that guy, I mean, that's like that guy, he was like, you know, people are like tweeting at him that like, they hate his game and want to kill him and stuff. Yeah. They're like getting that. like family, their families are being threatened. So, yeah. uh, and then, uh, what else is, is exposing that? Uh, you got the, the bullshit apps that are coming up to replace the original bullshit. Oh yeah. And then once that happened, now you have. Uh, all these cell phones popping up on eBay. They're like three-year-old used iPhones that with crazy. Flappy Bird pre-installed selling for <laughs> 90 grand. That's selling, crazy. not just put, being put as listings, selling for that price. And uh, uh, so you got everything about this whole story is just like exposing this this like toxicity about like all all – from all angles, like the, the the players of these games and 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 what developers have to do to be competitive in this field and like what all of this all of this negativity is coming from all of it. But is it? But is anything going to change? I don't I know. Now, now he reached the point of being some sort of a guru where now he's he's saying, you know, I pulled it for your own good because you deserve to live a simple life of going outside and exercising. <sighs> in two weeks, this thing this thing completely. Uh, well, yeah. Nobody, there's nothing good about it. Like, there's nothing good about this. People are tired of talking about this, and I just brought out nothing but. It's like the river of ooze and Ghostbusters. It just needs to be fucking shut down because it's it's drowning out all the happiness. But it's because these. But see, to me, it's all because of Apple and Google. Really, I mean, they don't. It's like. Uh, it's like a society with no laws. You know, it's just like everybody just does whatever they want. And so the whole thing is crap and they don't care because that's not how they make their money anyway. And that's pretty much it. So like there's no incentive for Apple or Google to make it better. And then obviously the people just don't care. Apparently (laughs) they're happy in this filth. So I don't know. Got some like RoboCop in there or something. (laughs) Well, this is what I meant when I said that it was sort of a surreal experience that we're both in a mobile space and I'm on a train going to this client who not only appreciates my work, but is paying me a livable wage to do freelance work for them and uh, gets value out of this and actual value that I can provide that's custom. Right. Uh, and it just happens to be in a mobile space. And at the same time, there's this person who's making a hundred times more than I am off of this, this t- toxic pit. <laughs> Yeah, but that, that part doesn't bother me. Like him, 
he doesn't really bother me yeah, as I mean, much as the other stuff around it, yeah. really. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's a genius for pulling it down, too. You know? It's not like he's not making money because he pulled it down. It's 50 million no, people playing right. this time. That's what I mean. He's still going to make money. You know, he's making, if he's making, really making, you know, $50,000 a day, which was like the estimate, I mean, even if that obviously will trail off, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for somebody living, you know, here in America. You know, I think he was in Vietnam or something like that. So, I mean, if you're making 50,000, that's a million, you know, and a half dollars a month, it's a lot of money. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's not worth the hassle. He's going to make money on this for the next couple of years as it, you know, peters out. That's it. Now, do you think it was too? I mean, it's obviously like, I mean, I don't know if it's a knockoff. It is. It's not like a true knockoff. Like, it's not like just Mario Brothers. Like, he didn't just build Mario Brothers. No, you know, it's, well, like, it's not even that. I mean, he might have used assets that kind of sort of look like. Yeah. But, but I mean, it's plat- there's like 30 years of platformers. Eventually, right. somebody's going to use a cloud that looks like a Mario. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it, so it's like it still had its own unique thing. It's just that it was more like a Hello World game. But that's all that that's what works on these mobile things. Oh, and the other thing like, that came out of the toxicity thing, another toxic thing, is that there's like entire industries of of uh, cloning and not just like cloning because my game is kind of like a Mario clone, clone like reskinning, right? Like right. exact same. There's there's websites or like this guy who does a, a whole website about buying source code and reskinning it and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there's books on Amazon that are like super yeah, popular that. <laughs> that you down you, you go and you look at the book and the book is essentially like a promo for this freelancer who all his all all he does is reskin existing games. So he probably like he could probably like conveyor belt the stuff now and if you go on like odesk and, and freelancer.com all of these things have changed from build me a facebook clone for 500 dollars to now build me a flappy bird clone for 100 dollars. <laughs> like, this is all this like like somebody opened up the pit of filth and and the world can now look inside well it is always the downside of all these internet businesses though you know it's like i feel like you even see it so much even on the people who are playing the right way like there's just so much more competition and everything. Like everybody knows about the internet now. Like then when we started ten years ago, it's all totally different. Like there's just so much more competition, so many more people who are doing stuff in the space. Like so now it's just the general public is all in there, you know. So it's it's totally different. Um did you hear this uh Bill Gates thing? Uh with yeah, the with the new CEO? What? What's Where that? are you? Uh, I'm sorry, I just leaned back. Um, Bill Gates, uh, you know, they have the new CEO, this uh, Satya Nadella, whatever his mm-hmm. name is, Satya Nadella. Um, there was a thing in the New Yorker where Bill Gates is now, uh, you know, he's not the, the, the chairman or whatever. Yeah, he stepped down as chairman. Stepped down. So he gave himself the title of a technology advisor. Mm. I mean, he could be the Grand Nagus for all I care. He's just sort of whatever well, I think title he's he going to be doing more, isn't he? That the idea? Yeah, I guess. But he wants to be lower, right? <clears throat> lower level, more on, uh, boots on the ground type of a thing, maybe. Right. Uh, so he showed up first day, and he's trying to install Windows 8.1 up upgrade on his oh. Windows 7 machine or whatever. I didn't see this. It was in the New Yorker. And... Uh, and he's failing. He's getting some error message. It keeps <laughs> popping up. It keeps popping up. And like by lunchtime, he got so ticked off. It's like four or five hours now of him trying to install Windows 8.1. And he's calling in 
the CEO. He's like calling him to his office, and like <laughs> he shows up, and like literally the guy who founded the company <laughs> and the CEO, like the like the two guys in this company are sitting in the office trying to install Windows eight point one upgrade and failing oh, behind goodness. closed doors, and people are saying there's like language. The kind of they never heard from Bill Gates <laughs> flying out of this office, and um, I just thought it was—I just thought it was um, for some reason the thing that I took away from this is how, like, if Bill Gates could have nothing to do with the company, right? And he could there could be like five or six CEOs after he leaves, right? Balmer and this guy, and then maybe yeah, somebody yeah. else comes in, somebody else comes in, and if Bill Gates shows up thirty years from now. And decides to take an office and sit down and do whatever he wants. And he calls you in and you're the CEO. You show up. Yeah. <laughs> right? You, you mean, unless you have some family emergency, there's like there's like pretty much nothing you could be doing that you cannot tell Bill Gates, uh, I'll be right there. Well, you know what's crazy is that he's still, I just saw this somewhere, he still owns something like 20 or 25% of the whole company. Which wow. is really remarkable, considering how long it's been around and how many rounds of VC and how many public stock offer, whatever, all that crap. He still owns twenty five percent of all the shares. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Well, Microsoft is like the ultimate bootstrap company, right? Like nobody thinks about this, but they're bootstrap. Apple wasn't, but Microsoft yeah, was. Yeah, I guess they were. They must have had some investors, no? I mean, what, it helped maybe as they got bigger or something. <laughs> uh, maybe later, but I don't know. I saw here he gave up on installing it, and it's still on seven. Yeah, he's still on seven. <laughs> no, but it's just like what I'm saying. That's it's like one, the, it's like one of those things where, um, like, imagine if somehow your ancestors came back to life, and like your great great grandfather, who you, I don't know, I have no idea who he is or where he right. was or whatever, but like, if he was available, like you'd sit down to have lunch with him. Yeah, like he might not have any practical input on your day to day life, and he might be out of sync, but like, there's a sense of. Um, like Bill, it's Bill Gates's company, regardless of any corporate BS around it. Yeah, right. So there's that sense of like, if Bill Gates calls you in, or if you're the context, the entire context of your life is the way it is because of this person, right? Yeah. So, so it's like one of those relationships where it's uh, completely out of respect. There might be um, no influence that that. That, that they might have practically on your day-to-day life, but you gotta you gotta abide by their wishes. I, I find that somehow uh, comforting. Somehow, you know, <laughs> it's sort of like uh, you you could get you could get kicked out of your company because of bureaucratic uh, politics or whatever, uh, like Steve Jobs was, and and you know you could all sorts of lawyery, corporate juggling could happen. To where you're no longer practically in power or whatever, mm-hmm. but like on a humanity level, it's your company. Yeah, and it'll always you, be associated with you, right? So, so if you uh, if you show up and you decide to sit down and call somebody in, they they should they should respect that. Well, you know what? Kind of semi-related to this, who I always miss in our world, and I don't know if you. Uh, interacted with him and I didn't, I didn't interact with him a ton either but I just always liked knowing he was there and I, I mean I've talked to him a few times um, is Rick Ellis I don't know if you remember Rick Ellis but he's a creator of Ellis Lab who makes the expression engine mm-hmm. CMS yeah the Code and, Igniter guy right yeah he was made like the first edition of Code Igniter mm-hmm. 
But he just disappeared. Like, I mean, he's still alive and he run. I think he still is like quasi involved, you know, from what I understand, although I don't really have any sources. But uh, he just like dropped off the internet and just not around. But, you know, the company runs and is ongoing, but it's like, uh, kind of made me think of that. Yeah. It's kind of a similar situation where like somebody's, obviously he would still have that same type of respect within Ellis Lab, but, uh, but also just when somebody goes kind of missing from the community, can I get that same vibe? Yeah. So right. I'll jump us back to uh semi, semi bootstrapper ish stuff. Um, we hired our content engineer. Okay. Hired, hired her while I was on vacation. So that was some work I did on vacation, but can't have a total vacation where I just literally don't do any work. I, like, I don't even know how to do that. So, mm-hmm. but this kind of then stepping back from that for one second, like it was awesome. Like that we have all these people around here now. It's like great. So I didn't really have anything to worry about just with the products on a day to day sort of basis, which mm-hmm. was really nice uh, to kind of have that all covered. Um, but who runs HelpSpot? Chris now? Run? Chris and Rebecca? Run yeah, Chris like mostly Chris and Rebecca, although Eric um, knows it as well. And Taylor hasn't been in it too much, but I mean, obviously he would you know, be able to poke around and figure stuff out, you know, if, if he needed that, to. That PHP drivel you wrote 10 years ago yeah, is exactly. under Taylor's <laughs> level <laughs> of aesthetics. He will yeah. not touch this. You know, it's funny. Every once in a while, he drops down into the pure PHP world, and uh, he surprises me with some. You know, he'll he'll build something that's uh, just pure PHP. You know, like a little thing or whatever. But uh, but yeah. So no, I mean, it's nice because Chris has been in there, like you know, really in the guts uh, more than anybody else has, since mm-hmm. that's really going to be his full time gig. And so uh, yeah, so that was great. And you know, he's already did the last release we did for HelpSpot. He he did it and. Uh, so that's all going nicely, and now we'll have this person to help market all the stuff all these people are doing, which uh, is good. Which is interesting. So here's an interesting. Uh, well, she's not. She didn't start yet. She didn't start till the beginning of March. So I don't want to say too much about her, but um, it, it kind of related to all this is this idea of if you're, you know, like a product focused person or company. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you're more of a, I guess you could be a marketing focus. And I think this comes up with bootstrapping a lot. We'll finally get to some bootstrapping meat here after an hour. Uh, like to me, I'm very like product focused. Like I want to build the product. I have the idea, like, think about it, do as much analysis as you can, but I am going to stop short of let me put up a fake page that does nothing and charge people credit cards and refund them based on my page for you know a product that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And like I'm not going to go that route. Like I'm going to say, okay, I think this is a good idea. I'm going to use my intuition slash you know talking to people I know with this problem and and doing that kind of not you know, if there's competitors if it's something that already exists that it's a di- you know a different take on it. Like okay, let's see what they're doing. And then I'm going to say we're going to do it or we're not going to do it. And then we're going to build it so it actually works. And then we're going to sell it. And we're going to iterate on it and go about it that way. Um, versus this kind of whole other world, especially in the bootstrapping world, you have like this whole other world that's all about like, no, 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 
you know, put up the fake site and see if you could fake sell it before you really sell it, which I find that whole thing a little bit wacky. Mm-hmm. And then even if you start to build it, you know, it's still really more kind of about uh, marketing it before you even really build it. Uh, I don't know. I like, I, I feel like you can't get that to me. Like you can't get that real feedback. It's impossible to get real feedback until you have a product that somebody's paying for. Mm-hmm. Like not that they think they're paying for and then they can't use it. So they're, you're still not getting any real feedback there. Um, not that they just signed up for or added their email, you know, onto some list. I mean, that's all stuff you have to do that, you know, in terms of, you know, pre launching it and getting emails and all that. That's fine. But, like there's a point where you have to have the thing to sell it to see if people like it. And nothing short of actually having it is going to do. There's no there's no way around that part of it. And maybe, you know, I think that might just be in my brain. I don't know. Like I mean, maybe for uh, other folks it it works, although I don't tend not to see tons of good examples of the other way. I mean, there's a few, they tend to be like really smaller kind of things. Um which I guess is also, you know, fine. Like if you're kind of just want to have a portfolio of little things or or stuff like that, and that's kind of like your your goal. But uh, I don't know if you want to make a software company. To me, I don't know. It's it's hard to go about it backwards like that. I've, uh, at least from my perspective, all of that stuff has been more like uh, fodder for talking points rather than actual thing that somebody has done. That like I've never actually seen that work. Like I've seen a lot of people uh, evangelize it, right? But I've never like I, I can't point to a product that says, "All right, here's a thing we built because it got um, you know five hundred thousand signups off of Photoshop images, right? <laughs> or or here's here's a thing we didn't build because I've done it before and and I've done it to try it out and I mm-hmm. I had I had both the ones that didn't get any hits or interest. Uh, from the landing page and I've got a bunch of that have have um, had successful you know results as far as that goes and I've still not based my decision off of that I've still went the other way on one and, and I, I still contradicted those results so and I would have gone that route even if I hadn't taken that step so um, it's possible I guess they do exist. I mean there's plenty of people who are just not vocal about any of this stuff and they and take that strategy. It's certainly more analytical and kind of maybe more um surgical than than going with your intuition, but um man, I could count on like one hand the number of times my intuition failed me. <laughs> yeah, well and yeah, I mean how do you even know? Like what you think you're going to build like so often isn't even what you end up building, especially at our scale where it's like you know, it's not things that are 48 committees have written the 500 page spec and then that goes off, you know, to a room of programmers who build it to the mm-hmm. spec and that's it. Like, I mean, it's very organic. Like, we're building this thing, but we're taking detours and something doesn't work. And sometimes something doesn't work just because maybe it's even the right thing to do, but financially you can't afford to make it work the way it would need to work. Yeah, you re- you guys redesigned yeah. Snappy like logically at least like three times, right? Yeah. No, it's And like- if you would have put up a landing page, it would have been for a completely different sort of a thing than what it wound up being. And what it wound up being was successful, but it's not what what it would have been. Yeah, I mean represented even the, as. The original landing page was like more to more about like social and like 
still doesn't do any social. <laughs> like it doesn't do anything with social right now. So, and I think it might eventually, maybe, but so yeah, it's like stuff like that. I mean, and Snappy's not a huge success yet, but I mean, it's definitely going the right direction. Um, but with the SaaS, it's a whole separate issue just because it takes forever to kind of build up to, especially the kind of money we need it to make and mm-hmm. to, to decide if it's a success or not. But uh, so it's still way too early for that. But you know, it's going upwards, which is the way it needs to go. And but I don't know. I I always come back to. I don't know. Like I always, I think this is just maybe like the pessimistic New Yorker, right? But anytime you hear these things, which are like too good to be true, like you know, I feel like this ebook stuff comes in the same way with me. Like build this little ebook, and from the people who buy your ebook, like you're going to make five thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars, and then you're going to have this five hundred people, and you're going to turn that five hundred people into the people who are the foundation of your product that you don't have yet, or you don't even know what it is. And then that, then, you know, you're going to be all set and have a software company. Like it's like, it's very convenient for me to sell you that and sell you things around you wanting that idea. And so making it a simple thing to achieve is obviously, you know, preferred, right? Like I, I, it's much easier to say to you, go build this simple thing. that's going to take you a month instead of go build this product. that's going to take you a year and it might not work, but like if in the end you wanted to have a software company and instead you built an ebook, like I don't know if that's the right result. You know, like would you rather have tried to build a software company and failed than just built the ebook and you know that's kind of it. I think maybe it sort of appeals to there. There's an appeal to having something systemized, right? So you could turn off at least a part of your brain that's not deterministic in the, 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 as to how much input will result in how much output and have that be replaced by a series of steps and right. a system that's that a person is selling you a package that guarantees you you will wind up in this space if you start at this step. Right. Um, so that's sort of appealing, but it's it's... Like to it's me, sort of the polished, back. it's sort of the polished wrapped turnkey version of a business that people used to sell. Like I'm selling you this <laughs> turnkey. Turnkey was a was a hot word, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm selling you this turnkey solution. You just plug in your logo, and you're generating cash. That's sort of like closer to that type of a thing than than the sort of brutality <laughs> of working on something and not knowing uh, what the results will be. It's like when we're hiring this content person and it's like, so in a sense, I'm like, boy, maybe we should have done this a long time ago. And probably we should have in the, because we've had HealthSoft forever. But it's like more like we're working backwards. You know, we're, we're working to me in the logical order of like, we have something to sell. People like it. It's selling. And now we're going to emphasize the marketing more because we know what it is. We know how it works. We know why people like it. And now we need somebody who's better at writing those words and you know, getting that out there, like on street marketing, but also, you know, writing books and things around it. That, that'll all be part of it. Um, and that's fine. But like, I don't know if I could, like, going the other direction to me, like, it's so hard. Then, you know, if I had to write all these books, like, I'm not that good a writer. You know, <laughs> like, if the step one is write a book or step one is even, uh, you know, come up with five fake products and see which one does best. Like, 
I'm not sure that that's the same set of skills that are going to make you successful in building software, you know? Like, I mean, those are skills that don't hurt. Like, if you're an excellent writer, it's obviously a huge advantage. Uh, that's, you know, for certain. But, you know, if you're not, I'm not sure it's it's kind of the death blow to you either. But, like, the book, I, I agree with you, but, like, the book doesn't... <clears throat> Is it the purpose of the book to have the book or is it the purpose of the book to bootstrap some uh, stream of revenue while you're working on the other stuff? Because if, if the purpose of the book is to you know allow you to make a little bit of, of money while you're um, building up this bigger thing, then, I mean, how long would it take? The guys in the game world, uh, game developer world, mm-hmm. especially with Steam, with early access and all that, they're much better but none of them are putting up fake pages to say, I'm going to build this platformer, or I'm going to build this first-person shooter, or I'm going to build this um, space game, and which one of those gets more hits from my Google AdWords, and mm. that's the one I'm going to make. Nobody's doing right. that. <laughs> but they will release a very early alpha. And if they have channels like Steam or something that has early access, they'll release a very early alpha that they could charge for. And mm. they'll sit on that thing for a year getting customers. So if the whole purpose of the book is to give you a little bit of a of an income stream while you're working on your actual product then you got to ask yourself how long are you, how much are you really you can't build a a prototype that's early alpha that you could sell in a month right. are you really saving yourself that much time by releasing this book that's going to take you 3 weeks to write as opposed to taking an extra week and actually having some sort of a thing that people could use that they will be willing to pay you for so but I, if you're if you are building some sort of a uh, media empire content type of thing then well that's different that. yeah, yeah but even if like so even if it's for it can't be for money like if it's for money then it's a side business like to me if it's about money then that's a whole different conversation like if you really just want to write a book first of all i think it's gonna take more than three weeks unless you're really a proficient writer right like presumably this is something you're doing after work like after i've worked all day and i'm tired i'm gonna write this book to me that's like a six-month effort like if you're really gonna do something that has value to somebody. I mean, if you're just slapping together some thing and marketing it, but let's presume that's not the case and you're going to really try to create something that solves some kind of problem for somebody. Okay. So that, to me, that's months of work. It's got to be, especially part-time, like when you're tired at night type of thing and then the weekends and stuff. And there's just not that much money in it. Like it's okay money on the side of your regular money, but it's not... You know, people always point to the same three guys who do this stuff, and yeah, they make hundreds of thousands of dollars doing it. But that's probably not going to be you. Just like your software company is not going to be Microsoft or whatever. You know, it's the same. It's the same thing. So you're going to make a few thousand dollars with it. And then, to me, I think the majority of it is that now it's this asset that you can use, you know, in the future in marketing and stuff. But it kind of goes back to you don't really know what you're building. Like your alignment has to be so damn good there. Like I built this, I wrote this whole book to reach this a very specific audience and now I have this very specific audience and I'm going to build this app that I knew ahead of time I was going to build and exactly what it was going to be so that I'm perfectly lined up with that so that I can actually take this group of people I spent all this time getting and point them at this app that I'm going to build. I don't know. Like there's a lot, of, there's so many moving parts there and when there's already so many moving parts in building a software company, it's like, seems like a lot of, it seems more risky to me than less risky. It's, it's presented as being less risky, but I, to me, it feels more risky. Like you're going to take six months to do all this other stuff. That's nothing to do with starting a software company. 
and then you're gonna hope that ends up helping you start a software company. Yeah, I I agree with you, but it's not about risk for me. It's just about sort of um, wasting time. I guess maybe you could equate that with that, that's kind of what I'm thinking yeah. of risk. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you you write a book about people who you write a book for people who like chocolate, and then you build a chocolate making machine. So if they kind of take you, if the first version of the chocolate making machine kind of takes you the same amount of time, right? And your forte is building chocolate making machines, <laughs> and you're hopefully a good writer, uh, and, and you want to reach the same people, and the people will be interested in chocolate making machine. What's the? I don't understand the stopgap of making the book for people who like chocolate, right? <laughs> Well, they're gonna buy your product if they like your product, they're, and that's they're, hopefully that right. And that's and there you're you're giving an example of like this perfect alignment. But what if I had done this with Snappy and wrote this whole big thing about social marketing, and then we end up building a tool that's more about email, like simple email customer service for startups and small teams. Like there's some overlap there, probably right, but it's not perfect alignment anymore by any means. And you know, I don't know. And it pushed us back six months to do it. And your conversion rate, because it's not so aligned, even if you really target that list now of people who bought that book as a as a um, customer channel, your conversion rate of that announcement email about Snappy is not going to be that much better than yeah. whatever other means you go through to get to get converted customers. Right. I mean, even if it's a bit higher, it's like this. Some of those people already have the solution. Some of those people don't want a solution. You know, all those same things still apply. So, and you have so, that's the other thing with SaaS, you have so many customers to get. It's, I start to wonder if, unless your book becomes really big or, you know, whatever content initiative you have, like, it's a lot of customers you have to get. Um, you know, it's not like, like the old days where you just sold three or four or something in a month, but it's $1,000 each and you're chugging along. I mean, you got to sell a lot of these $10 a month things. Uh, you know, to even even fifty dollar a month things, you have to sell a lot. So I don't know. I'm kind of over SaaS. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> I, I'm kind of over SaaS too. I'm not going to go into it in too too much depth, but because I won't have time to work on any of these things because I have so much client work. Sure. But like all the products that are are aside from Quinto, Quinto is SaaS because Quinto has to be SaaS. But um, but that's not even really SaaS. Like if you end up going the more native app route, it's like. It's like a SaaS backend, but I don't know if I no. But it, it just as a app. just just as a payment type of a thing, a customer uh, yeah. a customer uh, payment, like type. a recurring. Quinto has to be SaaS because it's, it's really a service. But yeah. um, as a product type of a thing, I everything I have uh, that even half of them that used to be SaaS products that were lined up in queue to, to be doing mm-hmm. next. Um, once you. There was a, there was a funny quote online the other day that you know has anybody looked inside the box yet? There might be some good ideas in there already <laughs> by now. Um, it, 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 once you position them as sort of what if this wasn't SaaS? What if this was a desktop app? Mm. Um, if you throw out that that uh, notion that that's in our circles that nobody's using desktop apps because right. we're all elitist now. I love desktop um, apps. I love them. If you throw that out and you say, well. What if you throw out all of those notions and say, is this thing better suited to be a desktop app? And so many of them gain so much yeah. from that perspective that almost 80%, I think, of the – I have like about 10 or 12 things that are in queue 
all of them are so much better suited being desktop apps now that I have a feeling I'm going to be spending a lot of time in QT in the upcoming years. Well, but see, I think you might need that combo, right, of like the SaaS backend with the desktop because pure desktop, like if you go in the Mac App Store, you know, it ha- it's just mobile. Like everything in there is $2, mm-hmm. except for a very few companies who can command a higher price just because, you know, either they're Adobe or they're, uh, you know, they're like Omni Group, and so they've been making Mac software forever, and uh-huh. they charge their hundred bucks. But everybody else is like two ninety nine. Yeah, and so like a pure desktop app, I would be a little scared of too. But it, hybriding it to be the SaaS payment model and a SaaS backend, so you can do some like the mobile version with the desktop version, uh, like that, I think is somewhat appealing because you can do a lot more functionality, and you could always do add a web. You know, front too, but that's the thing that sucks nowadays. Like you have to have all these different. Ver- like Taylor's been, you know, on this mobile thing a couple months for Snappy, and we'll do a HubSpot mobile version too, based on kind of what he's learned and and all this. But so it's gonna be worthwhile endeavor. But it's still like a whole nother product, you know. It's like you have this whole nother product. You have the mobile product, you have the real product. You might have a desktop thing. You have different mobile products. You have an iPad version. <laughs> It's like the whole thing is freaking crazy. Crazy. Uh, all right, I'm tired. Okay. <laughs> I gotta go. We've been talking for like three hours. You got anything else? Nah, I feel like we're just getting warmed up. I feel like, the, like this is our, like, our, you know, we had a little hiatus there. It took us a while to get in the groove. I'm looking, I'm looking <laughs> forward to next week. See, I think next week we'll. we'll We'll be able to hit the ground running. All right. If you say so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, guys. I'm the, I'm the guy that's Andre, and he's the guy that's not the Andre. I'm not I'm not Andre. Uh, we're up at bootstrapped.fm, and the forums are over there at forum. Uh, discuss that, bootstrapped.fm. Yep. Uh, we'll be back again next week if Ian doesn't go on another vacation. <laughs> Later. Brutal.